So for me, I think about cacao ceremony as a tool to take us deeper in our healing work that makes our inner landscape and that process of growth and transformation more accessible and smooth. Welcome to the Healing Corner with Emily Tennyson. Here, Emily talks about how the power of nutrition, detoxification, spirituality, and tuning into our body's intelligence can help knock us back into emotional, physical, and spiritual alignment. Now, here's your host, Emily Tennyson. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in today as we discuss ceremonial cacao with Moses Draper, co-owner of Imbue Cacao. Moses and his wife, Amba, are leading the way in transparency, social responsibility, ecological awareness, and ceremonial quality in how they source and sell their cacao. Today, Moses breaks down the differences between cocoa and cacao. He explains why cacao is so transformative in helping us to turn inward, whether we're drinking it every day or engaging with it in a more formal ceremonial setting. He shares what an imbued cacao ceremony looks like and a little bit about his own personal journey. I've been a customer of theirs for the last year, and I am continually impressed with the quality, the taste, and their outstanding customer service. When I add on the way that they treat their farmers and give back to the environment, it was a no-brainer to have Moses on the podcast. Additionally, if you're tuning in from outside of the U.S., Imbue Cacao ships worldwide, which is awesome news. I'm so excited to speak with him today. Moses, welcome to The Healing Corner. Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm enjoying some cacao here. For those who can't see, I've decided to do it with almond milk this morning, which is a new thing for me. Normally, I have your cacao with just water. How do you like to drink it? Uh, I love coconut milk, a little cayenne, honey, and that's my my go-to daily recipe. Oh, nice. I'll have to try that one. Yeah. So Moses, as we dive in here, I am aware that you have a Bachelor's of Commerce from McGill University in Montreal, and that you and your wife have owned Mbu Cacao for the last 11 and a half years. Will you talk to us about what started you guys down this path? Yeah, totally. And it's kind of funny you mentioned my my undergrad degree because um, towards the end of that degree, I uh, was pretty convinced I wanted nothing to do with the world of business. And, um, you know, after I left university, it was like working on an organic farm, uh, traveled around to intentional communities, just kind of a whole different trajectory. Um, so it's funny in some ways to find myself almost 20 years later <laughs> running a small business. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so my wife and I were in Costa Rica probably 13, 14 years ago, and there was a festival there that was happening. It was like a fire circle festival. And on the opening night, there was about 50 of us that gathered around a fire and someone said we were going to do a cacao ceremony. And you know, I'd been into spirituality and inner work for a bunch of years at that point and had never heard of cacao ceremony. So in my mind, I just thought, oh, we're going to drink chocolate on the fire. That sounds great. I love chocolate. And uh, I was in for a pretty big surprise because about 30 minutes after drinking the cacao, it felt like I was just falling in love with everyone there in this effortless, overflowing way um, that was really no noticeable and powerful. And I realized there was obviously a lot more going on than chocolate that I grew up with. And it came at a pretty synchronistic time for me as well in my inner work, because cacao has this really sweet way of helping us be present with um, just what is in the moment. And in my 20s, I had much more of a tendency to think of spirituality as this, I'm doing something, I'm getting somewhere, I got to do more, got to do it more intensely. And cacao was just like, hey, we can chill out. Everything's good right now. There's nowhere to get to. There's nothing to accomplish. Um, right. 
So mm-hmm. I, I recognized it as a, as a really powerful ally in that sense. Um, and so that kicked off a couple of years exploration of just working with it in my own inner work. And then uh, my wife and I started leading ceremonies. I'm in, in Vermont. So we had this little circlet, circuit around New England where we would you know, facilitate cacao ceremonies. And back then, over 10 years ago, you know, no one knew anything about cacao ceremony. You couldn't find it online at all. Uh, so it was kind of our stick for a while. Just that alone was like the thing that we did. Um, and then, yeah, we started what, what used to be called Heartblood Cacao. We, we re- rebranded it last fall, um, mainly as our way just to share the love that we experienced with cacao with people here in the U.S. Um, through selling the cacao and running ceremony. Um, for us, it was really uh, not started as a, I'm going to make my my work this way or my livelihood this way. It was just like, we love this, this practice. It's a really um, sweet tool that, that um, helps us go deeper with inner work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was what really inspired us to, to get it going. And it's had a life of its own since then. Yeah. Before we get into some of the like heart opening qualities of cacao, will you explain the difference between cocoa and cacao? I, I know what, what it is, but it's hard for me to even explain it like to my husband or my friends who are asking me about it. Yeah, totally. It's a great question because there's you know more and more um, interest in cacao these days, but not a lot of understanding of what people should be looking for if they're interested either for the health benefits or for ceremony. Um, so essentially, I mean, if you think about a cacao tree, you know, growing in the tropics, 20 degrees north and south of the equator, 2020 zone, um, there's these big Nerf football looking fruits, you know, they're pinks, they're oranges, they're yellows, and they've got 30 to 50 seeds inside of them. Those are the seeds that all chocolate comes from. So there's a couple different processes they go through. Unlike, um, you know, a banana where you harvest it and you eat it, you need to ferment the cacao first. It gets sun dried. Both those two processes actually start a whole enzymatic transformation that gives us both flavor, uh, the nutritional qualities, et cetera, that we know of as chocolate. Like if you ate a raw, really raw cacao bean, it would taste very different, very bitter. Uh, It's got phytic acid, tannins, things that the body doesn't do well with. So those are starting to remove it. So then mm-hmm. once you have the dried cacao bean, it's going to get roasted. And in that form, you have what most people would know of as a cacao nib or a cacao bean, just mm-hmm. the whole bean. It's roasted. It's got the husk removed. So when we do a ceremony, essentially what we're working with is that whole bean. So, you know, we sell the bar and the powder, same, same thing, different forms, but it's just that cacao bean, a whole bean after it's roasted, ground up. And then you know, people can chop that up and add it to their drink. So it's pretty much a hundred percent, pure cacao, nothing's added in, nothing's removed. To make cocoa powder, they're going to take that cacao bean and they're going to separate all of the cacao butter, the fat, which is on average is about 50% of the weight of a cacao bean is the cacao butter. Mm. Cacao butter has lots of great nutrients on its own. It's a carrier that helps the body assimilate those nutrients. Um, Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a healthy fat source in its own right. So they're, they're removing that. And then you have what's the cacao solids that are left is what turns into cocoa powder. Um, so there's both a further refining to get to cocoa powder, a, a loss of about half of the content and the methods, you know, they sometimes they'll like hydraulic press to make the cocoa powder. And there's often chemicals involved like dutching, for example, to alkaline the cacao. Um, so it's a pretty different product that's missing a lot of the compounds that the full cacao bean itself would have. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm aware that cacao has been a plant medicine 
like for thousands of years. I know that Aztecs and Mayans were using it in ceremony to connect with each other, like that lovey-dovey feeling you were talking about, as well as to the divine. Like it means it has origins and meaning like heart, blood, and to drink together. So you were mentioning, we're talking about how it's like a a heart opener. And I've said this before on the podcast that um, you talk about how it's a vasodilator. Like it's literally dilating your blood vessels to increase circulation to almost 30% more. Mm So my, my good friend who actually introduced me to your brand, um, Beth Zabigalski, she's a life coach and she was, she summed it up perfectly. Like she drinks cacao and then she starts feeling all like mushy and lovey dovey. And then she ends up giving away a lot of her work for free because <laughs> she just like loves her clients. So <laughs> will you break down for us what exactly makes cacao a heart opener and like what's going on when we drink it? Yeah, that's a great question. There's, there's a lot of different compounds. I mean, it's one of cacao bean chocolate is one of the more complex plants that we have. Um, and there's still a lot that's unknown about it. I mean, even just like, you know, the history just got revised in the last couple of years, over 5,000 years old oh, okay. Amazon origin, you know, into Central America and those cultures. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, lot going on with cacao and in terms of what we do know and the effects that are that are going on, the the um, primary what I would call psychoactive compound in cacao is theobromine. So the Latin name for cacao is theobroma cacao, and food of the gods. So theobromine is is kind of like you could consider it like a sister molecule to caffeine. It's a bitter alkaloid. Um, but instead of uh, stimulating the nervous system, it increases blood flow. So if we think of uh, you know the heart with that increased blood flow, we're going to feel that effect partly in the heart as more heart opening. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to feel more sensitive to touch with that extra blood flow Uh, because it's a stimulant. We're going to feel more energized. You know, I find that brings mental clarity. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's got a bunch of other compounds uh, like it's high in magnesium, which is a muscle relaxant. So that really helps relax the body. And then it's got a lot of compounds in the like in the love compound category um both serotonin and um precursors to serotonin anandamide and pea all Mm -hmm. of which are in the category of feel good compounds essentially and you know in some ways it's kind of like you think about like if i feel depressed i'm like oh i want to i want to bite a chocolate you know Mm -hmm. i think we're, we're having that same relationship with cacao of like cacao makes me, it elevates my mood. We all know that already, like Valentine's, romance, chocolate. And so we, you know, in in a sense, the West already has that relationship. It's just less intentional or less conscious um, because the Mm -hmm. compounds are in there that um, just elevate our mood, Mm -hmm. give us that focus and that heart opening Mm -hmm. that when used in ceremony or in a more focused way really uh, helps us access those places. Mm-hmm. Now, do you drink coffee still or are you on, oca- on occasion? Yeah, on occasion. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer cacao because it's not so jittery. Um, mm-hmm. I find that theobromine compared to caffeine is a more grounded energy source. So I feel, I feel the effects of the stimulation, but it's much, uh, much more grounded, less buzzy and less of a crash that caffeine can have. It's kind of like some people are into bulletproof coffee where you add your, you know, you're adding fats back in Well, cacao as a whole bean already has that. And so um, I Got find it. it's a, yeah, it's a much preferable. And would you say that this cacao is an adult drink similar to coffee? 
No, my, I, I've got three kids and they all love it. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. So I just, it's just, it's all about dose. So kind of like, um, you know, kids eat chocolate bars. Um, it's just about, it's a matter of how much they consume. So, you know, if I drink around an ounce as a daily dose, I'd give my kids, you know, quarter ounce, maybe something like that, depending, you know, my kids range two through nine. And my two-year-old right now is every time my wife and I are, are having our daily cacao, he's, he's in there wanting as much as he can get. So yeah, uh, we, yeah we let them have it. It's just, we, we moderate the dose. Got it. Yeah. I have a five-year-old and we do smoothies and we'll put like cacao nibs and you can see his little hand going back into the cacao nib bag to put more. So that's good Good to know. Um, So you talked about the ways in which the cacao bean is actually like fermented and roasted. And I know there's many unique ways that you as imbue cacao work that are different than other cacao companies. There's been kind of a dark history to the chocolate industry, like with child labor and farmer exploitation. And it seems to me that you guys are really working to kind of heal some of that past. Will you talk about what makes your business a little bit different and how you're sourcing and making the cacao and also working with farmers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, kind of as I alluded to earlier with my journey from business degree to getting into this, um, the whole thing that turned me off about big business primarily is just the the negative social and environmental impact, the, the, the very profit-driven motive. So, um, in running my own business, it's this opportunity to leverage it for something that I feel really good about and want to work on, you know, not just something that pays the bills. So, we try and build that into as many aspects of what we do. There's a lot of challenges to that. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's an ongoing journey for sure. Um, so, for I imagine. Us, you know, Oh, sorry. I imagine you're pioneering a lot of that. Like, I wonder if there's many examples, right, to work from with other businesses or if you're just kind of making it up because there's not a ton of models. Yeah, it's a bit of both because there's, you know, there's definitely, we rest on the shoulders of people who've done a lot of good work before us. There's new, you know, technologies, even just in like packaging that are coming out or, you know, cold pack shipping in the summer months, things like that. And then um, in part because of the, uh, the craft chocolate third wave industry, there's a real big growth in transparent trade in the chocolate industry, which is an awesome trend that's making it way easier to find really high quality cacao beans and actually know all the information of what's going on, how the processes are done, how farmers are paid. Um, so that's, that's been a real boon for us and that's really helped us, um, mm-hmm. you know, focus on high quality and to know what's going on. So that includes like down to like what kind of fermentation rates are happening at the farm to produce the kind of quality that we're looking for. What are their sun drying protocols? What are the ratio of male to female workers in the farms? How much money do they actually get? You know, how mm-hmm. much money does the farmer actually get for each pound of cacao beans? And mm-hmm. um, so we can compare that to say the fair trade minimum. So we pay above that consistently mm-hmm. um, and no money is diverted to an international organization whose only role is to certify that's actually happening. So it's kind of like this, um, the niche of craft chocolate is really uh, taken off in a way where that, that market is expanding. So there's a lot more cacao farmers that get access to um, that kind of market. Model. So for us, we're looking at, you know, 
when I think about positive impact, it's I want our customers to experience the same love in the cacao. So we want to make it as high quality as we can. And that's like, that's everything from what varieties are they selecting? What are their fermentation protocols? How are we roasting it? You know, the packaging, the whole, the whole process start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how are the farmers getting paid? So um, that's a really important piece for us to make sure it's a viable livelihood and that mm-hmm. they're encouraged to produce a higher quality product and get a higher price for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then a couple of years ago, we joined an organization called 1% for the Planet. And that's basically just a commitment that we will donate 1% of gross sales. So not 1% of our profits after whatever I decide to expense, 1% of every dollar that comes through goes to a nonprofit partner. So we work with an organization called AIR uh, Guatemala, the Alliance for International Reforestation. And they do a lot of great work. They've been in Guatemala for uh, 25, 30 years now on the ground doing a lot of reforestation, uh, which has kind of a whole multitude of implications, um, not just for climate, but for the local communities who can earn money through the nurseries they generate. It prevents erosion, landslides, mm-hmm. source of fuel, et cetera. So for us, it's... Um, it's kind of like, I think about it, like if I'm earning a living doing this, I want to make sure that there's some sense of equity or quality in where the money goes and what's happening with it. And so both how we pay the farmers and donating money back is our way of making sure that, you know, if, if our, if you know, we're doing better, they're doing better. Absolutely. No, it's, I love spending money with you guys because it's like, you guys are building like the new earth, like the new world, right. That we want to see in every business. And so it's, it's really, um, heartwarming pun intended mm. to hear <laughs> how you guys go about it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I know that you guys work with and you source single origin cacao from small family farms in Guatemala, specifically the Laguna Lechua region in the North central area of the country. Uh, how many species of cacao are you guys working with? I'm aware there's like 150 different species, which is surprising. Yeah, cacao varieties is a really, it's a complex phenomenon. And um, it's funny because sometimes I get these questions of like, hey, do you know what variety you have? Or do you have Criollo cacao? Because that's what I want for ceremony. And um, a lot of it is is well-intentioned, but very misinformed. Yeah. Something like in in the last five to 10 years, cacao was reclassified um, to the best of my knowledge from three varieties to over a dozen. Uh, and those are, those would be like a dozen primary varietals. And then there's sub uh, sub varietals. And the, the thing that's really tricky with cacao is that it's a very promiscuous plant, which means that it cross pollinates very easily. Uh, so one tree can have many different varieties on the tree. Oh, um, wow. In the ceremony of cacao world and in the craft chocolate world, there's really been a move away from variety uh, for those who want to have, I guess I would say, integrity in their marketing because most of them, uh, the only, they know that the only way to make that claim would be to actually regularly genetically test Mm. consistently and across the board, which, you know, not only is expensive, but it's at, at a certain point, it's, it's not really that relevant because there isn't even enough information to say, you know, for example, Criollo cacao is better for ceremony. You need to have to really do chemical mm-hmm. analysis breakdown and say like, what percent of steel bromine compared to the other compounds is the, the best. Got um, it. 
and no one's doing that, but there, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, um, usually that are less connected to source that'll make all these claims of having this or that variety. Um, Creo is the, Creolio is the common one because it's a more of a wild or native variety. It makes up less than 1% of total cacao production in the world because it's much more susceptible to disease. Its mm. yields are way lower. Um, mm-hmm. So it's actually really rare to find pure Creolio. And again, you'd have to be genetically testing that. So most people that claim it, I'm usually pretty dubious about yeah. them having it. <laughs> or there's the other funny one to me is people that uh, talk about Ariba Nacional, and um, which is not actually a variety. Ariba in Spanish just means above. So it's just a kind of a geographic colloquial term, um, but it sounds nice to to talk about having having a variety. It sounds um, fancy. Yeah, it, it does sound fancy. Yeah, it's kind of like you know <laughs> coffee blends or something like that. Yeah. Um, so again, for us, it's it's the quality of you know start to finish. There's you know they they're selecting seedlings that are doing well. Um, they're selecting seedlings that are actually viable to make an income from you know as much as uh, those of us in the West would love to imagine that there's a bunch of indigenous people kind of foraging through the jungles and like picking little cacao beans out. It's just not. There's no livelihood to be made that way. They just wouldn't produce the volume. So, you know, these are working farms. They're uh, selecting the varieties that they know will turn into fine flavor or high quality cacao beans for, mm-hmm. and chocolate. Um, and that'll that'll resist disease. And there's a lot of the, um, the majority of cacao planted, especially West Africa, is CCN 51, which is it's not um, it's not genetically modified. It's just a, a hybrid version of cacao, but tends to be considered in the chocolate world as a very low quality bean. Um, it's it's flavor isn't great, um, but mm-hmm. it's big and it is disease resistant. So it's yeah. attractive to farmers. If you know if you've ever grown food, it's kind of like you're looking through your seed catalog or your plant catalog, and you're like, oh disease resistance, high yields. Like that sounds great. Like I want, right. you know, these big, big blueberries that are do really well. Um, yeah. And so that's why a lot of farmers end up choosing those varieties because their livelihoods on the line. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thanks for breaking that down. I want to move into ceremony work and get back to kind of you and your wife's origins of this whole story. So I wanted to quote something you said so beautifully, which is that rituals and ceremonies are a way that we can anchor ourselves into change. You say, quote, ritual and ceremony are the little and big ways that we intentionally weave ourselves into the sacredness of life. We step out of the ordinary time and space and into something greater than ourselves. These are ancient ways to realign ourselves with what is true for us. Ceremony has always been about transformation. So I, I mentioned this because recently a couple of friends and, and I wanted to do like a wine night. I don't drink anymore. Um, my one girlfriend is like trying to cut back. So we're all sitting there and they're like, well, what can we do? And I was, and I immediately said, well, why don't we just do like a, a c- cacao ceremony? And then of course I had to explain it. And I like, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you like drink cacao and then you like go inward. And they were they're like nodding their heads like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so they've never had it before, of course. And so we signed up for your upcoming April 23rd cacao ceremony that you guys are hosting. I'm just curious if you could break down like what can someone expect in one of your ceremonies, you know, for listeners and then also for my two girlfriends who are wanting more detail about just like joining together in community to go deeper together instead of just kind of like numbing out, you know, and that's not to, to harp on alcohol, but it's just a very different experience. So I'd love for you to maybe break down what a ceremony entails. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that you know, I, I kind of come back to a lot over the years of just explaining what is a cacao ceremony to people. And, um, you know, in some ways, it's, it's like explaining meditation or yoga or any other practice where, you know, there's a lot of different angles that people approach those practices with, which, you know, most people these days could tell you what they think meditation or yoga is. And then if you ask someone who's been meditating for 50 years, it's probably going to be a little different. And so for me, I think about cacao ceremony as a, as a tool to take us deeper in our healing work that makes our inner landscape and that that process of growth and transformation more accessible and smooth. And so in, in some ways, cacao ceremony can be a misnomer because people might think, oh, there's like a cacao ceremony that you're doing. Maybe it comes from an indigenous tradition or something. And that's it. And it's more, at least in the West, as far as I've practiced and all the people that I know that practice, it's adding cacao into the mix of our healing work, our spiritual practices to take them to, um, to new levels, to go deeper with them uh, because of the ways that it works with us. So there's so many possibilities with cacao and ways you can go with it. I love that you were trying to bring cacao into the mix with your (laughs) friends instead of alcohol, because it's like cacao can be light and playful and it doesn't have to be intentional and serious. And it can also be really, really deep and really formal. And it's got a lot of possibilities there. And I think for me, cacao has this quality that's... um, I call it non-discriminatory. Like it doesn't really care how it gets shared or in what format it could be Hershey's chocolate. It could be like a really formal ceremony. It just wants that love to be Mm -hmm. shared and Mm -hmm. to pass that on. Um, So there's a lot of possibilities about how, how people do cacao ceremonies and what practices they bring it to. But for me at at the core, we're having a relationship with it as a plant medicine, which, which is a more intentional kind of relationship to support deeper healing work. Mm-hmm. I was reading that pouring the cacao in, you know, with water or milk or whatever, like setting an intention while you're doing that is kind of a way to, to start, whether it's a very serious kind of like inward journey or more of a light and playful um, gathering with friends. If, you know, someone signs up for a ceremony that you, you guys are facilitating, what's kind of the format? Like what can someone expect when they're sitting down? Yeah. Yeah. That's usually the starting point. What you were saying is taking a moment to acknowledge the cacao. So I find, you know, especially for us Western folks who are more used to thinking about the natural world as inanimate and just kind of out there doing its thing, this plant medicine idea, I think helps us come into relationship with an entity or a a living thing. Um, And so that moment of intention or gratitude, even if it's just really simple, uh, I think starts to open us up to maybe there's something more than just me and my own kind of world. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's, that's usually the way that we start. I like to bring people together, take a moment of gratitude with the cacao and um, usually for for us from there I like to have some some time for us to check in share what's going on and I'm I'm I get a lot of value out of hearing from people I think people get a lot of value about sharing what's going on for them to create a more intimate container and, and mm-hmm. that's a lot about my personal relationship to inner work, to cacao, and just what kind of space that I want to hold. Other people, it could be more like an ecstatic dance event and there's cacao in the corner and people just kind of go and they serve themselves. For me, I I really love that 
that feeling of connection of community. Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of what I offer is to build that sense of, you know, being fully in our own experience in the context of connection mm-hmm. with other people you know, mm-hmm. and practices that support that. And from there, it really depends on the, on the ceremony. Um, this, the last virtual ceremony that we did, um, Last weekend, it was, you know, playing a little bit more with uh, the spring equinox full moon energy and how to set intentions for the season to come. Um, mm-hmm. Other times, sound healing, breath work. Um, so a lot of different practices kind of in what I would consider like the, the main section of the ceremony. And then towards the end, you know, I really love having space for sharing and integration. I think it's a really essential aspect of, of healing work to be able to understand, process, share about the things that we go through. So I always like to leave space at the end for people to share about their experience. And it often like gets into this really that, that um, what you were saying earlier from Beth, that kind of like sweet, mushy, we all love each other. We don't want this to end, but it has to end (laughs) kind of space. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, Mm -hmm. I need to do this more often, you know, every time. Totally. (laughs) And I go, I go, I go home and my wife's like, Oh, you're, you're glowing, man. You look so different. She's like, wow, I'm getting more hugs. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. In what ways would you say that you and or your wife have changed or transformed or things that you've noticed about yourself since beginning this journey, whether it's hosting ceremonies and facilitating them or attending them yourself? Like what has surprised you or what's been unexpected? On a personal journey level, I really... Uh, I attribute a lot of my growth in the direction of this gentle self-acceptance to cacao. And I think that's a lot of what healing work is anyways. Um, you know, the less of what I was doing in my twenties of getting, trying to get somewhere different or be someone else or something, but just the, the real deep coming home to ourselves over and over again, um, has been a powerful lesson of cacao. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, on, on more practical levels, um, when we started working with cacao and sharing it in ceremony, we never expected the business to be more of a thing, but I think the, you know, so what surprised me about that was the cacao itself, I think really, uh, was the force behind our business growing behind cacao ceremony, really taking off in the mm-hmm. last decade. Mm-hmm. And if you Google ceremonial cacao right now, you find so many people, events, providers, et cetera, that it's really exploded. And that, I think that aspect of it surprised me um, in my, again, in that Western mind of like, here I am. And it's like all about the work that I'm doing and what humans are up to and cacao is out there just kind of spreading, spreading its energy and doing most (laughs) of the heavy lifting. (laughs) (laughs) What, what would you attribute cacao's like insane rise in popularity over the last decade? Mm. Um, I think um, it's a, for me, it seems like a confluence of a couple different factors. There's been a definitely a renaissance of interest in psychedelics and plant medicines. You know, we're kind of in that in that place of they've been a lot more taboo for a while. There's a lot of reemergence of, you know, just research, psilocybin, LSD, huge interest in ayahuasca, hape. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know. Mm-hmm. more and more people it's just like oh yeah like someone went to an ayahuasca ceremony and even people who have like no frame of reference like oh yeah like i've heard about that they know about it so i think that's all going on and at the same time you have this legal safe medicine cacao that's 
uh, a lot easier to source. It's not like you got to go down to the jungle to do an ayahuasca ceremony. It's like, you know, there's a bunch of providers in the, in, in the U S you know, in the Western world to find it. And, um, there's not the same level of potential concern in working with it. It's kind of, you know, in a sense, in terms of like health concerns, it's kind of just like having a larger dose of chocolate in a more pure form. So there's not the same level of concern. Like I, I run training programs and sometimes I get that question of like, don't need to study for a whole lot of years before like having cacao with friends. And I'm like, no, you don't need to. It's, you know, it's great to go deeper with the plant if you're going to offer it more regularly, but cacao is such an accessible plant yeah. medicine that I think that that, um, that accessibility paired with, um, I think a real need for a lot of us to feel that heart centered embodied energy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it's so easy for us as modern people on social media and just kind of in, in a, in the world that we live in to get disconnected from our bodies to really let our energy kind of like go outward and cacao really helps bring us into this Mm -hmm. um, embodied place that just feels really good. And it helps us operate more from that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, it's funny because it's like, yeah, I, you know, pour cacao before going to work or, you know, you can, it's very like, you can be functioning after you're not like on the floor mm-hmm. of the forest, like hallucinating. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, getting into that like deeper meaning and connection with ourselves, you know, I know that you're I'm aware you have three kids you're, you mentioned, and I know that it's like no secret that spiritual growth and parenting are like go hand in hand, like being a parent, how has this like, uh, I guess facilitated your spiritual growth further and surprised you in either how you're building your business or going about your days. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. It, it, um, my, my oldest is nine and a half. So I'm, you know, nine and a half, 10 years into the parenting journey. And uh, it was a massive change for me. You know, my twenties was like, I think I want to go down to Costa Rica this winter and I'll go down to Costa Rica. Or I think I, you know, I need to spend like all day, like working on this inner piece that came up, or I want to go to meditation retreat is very, you know, focused on my own process and parenting, (laughs) as you know, is not at all about us anymore. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and, and so it it was a real big shift in how to reorient to my own process while really embracing that challenge of it's not primarily about me anymore. And Mm -hmm. obviously we need to practice self-care. That's important. Um, But I think part of what parenthood calls us to is that, that role of service and of giving and being less focused on the minutia of our inner landscape moment to moment in part, because we just don't have the time for it. Right. There's no time for personal drama really as much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So my, you know, my personal journey evolved a lot in the parenting years where it's, it's a lot more about the small moments than um, like Mm -hmm. I can go off and do a week long meditation retreat or something. Um, So, you know, for example, my wife and I drink cacao most days and even that five minute little window um, is just, a, it's a sweet little recharge, a reminder to take a deep breath, to, to be present with it and, and yeah. enjoy those moments because there aren't the larger moments. That's been a big, a big um, learning process for me, mm-hmm. that change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice because it's kind of interwoven into the fabric of your life versus like this one huge event that happens like once or twice a year. Right. right. <laughs> it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since you're both entrepreneurs, 
what blessings or like challenges would you say being in this business and building it from the ground up has brought to your family and their upbringing? Yeah, I think um, the main the main thing I love about it, just from a, you know thinking about it as a job perspective, is the flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we homeschool our kids, and we have a little homestead where we live, and so there's always a lot happening at home. And I really love that. Like, I feel like time with my kids is the biggest gift that I give them. Mm-hmm. Um, aside, obviously, from feeding, sheltering, you know. Yeah cleaning basic up out of mouth, yeah, all the basic <laughs> needs, um, you know, as a, as a father, as parents, you know, just our time with them, regardless of what it is. And so being an entrepreneur means I get to have a more flexible schedule of, you know, what are the things I really need to get done today or this mm-hmm. week? And how can I fit in, um, you know, life at home and life as a parent and, you know, mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. sure that there's those ways of, uh, you know, it's like, if I had a nine to five job and I had to be in the office at nine, if I'm walking out the door and my two-year-old's like, I miss you. And they're crying. Then I'm like, I'm like, you know, I gotta, I gotta sever that gotta more go. quickly. Yeah. yeah. And so I can right. take a moment and just be present with his feelings in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that's a, that's a huge gift for us. And I think, um, that being able to do a job that I feel like the impact of it is something that I feel good about um, just keeps me in a much better mental space. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like um, this sense of like, Oh, dad's got to go off and do this thing for 40, 50 hours a week that he doesn't like just so that you all can survive at home. And so yeah. that's really, that's really, uh, really helpful. And that the kids get to get to see the work in a little bit more of a, a tangible way. I mean, my, my dad was a, a business person. I remember when I was maybe eight or nine years old, there was one of those take your kids to work days. And uh, so I went to my dad's office and this was before the internet. So, you know, I'm in this, this business building in this office and there's just like a phone and a big desk. And I'm like, I have no idea what you do here. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what this is. Like <laughs> you're like writing on, a, you know, writing down things or making phone calls or something. And yeah. Uh, so That's that, you so know, my, you know, my kids see a lot of it. They come into the office, they see the cacao coming in and out. And, you know, my, my nine-year-old, my oldest, he's super curious and loves to know all the details of like, how much are you selling today and what's happening? And uh, what are you doing with this? And oh, um, it's great. Yeah. So they're more engaged with it all. Oh, that's amazing. Do you guys have like a daily routine at home with cacao? I know you mentioned you like to drink it with coconut milk and cayenne um, and that you sometimes drink coffee, but do you guys have like, you know, what's your daily routine look like with cacao? Yeah, these days we're doing it more in the afternoon. It used to be more of a morning thing for me. Uh, I find um, probably primarily because of parenting, the morning is a bit more of a hectic time. And um, so lately my wife and I have been into just like after lunch or so we'll, we'll sit with cacao and that gives us that small five, 10, 15 minute window to just relax and enjoy the cacao. And, um, yeah, that's kind of more our, our regular routine at this point, other than times where I'm leading ceremony or I have a longer stretch of time to be present with that energy. Yeah. It's like that 10 minutes after lunch where you're not maybe needed by your small human roommates. Like <laughs> they can go off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. And you're mostly having it with coconut milk and that's your preferred way to drink it. Yeah. I mean, I tend to be 
simple or a creature of habit. So, you know, most of the time it's cacao, cayenne, and honey. And then if we have coconut milk, either like coconut milk from a can or just coconut milk powder, we'll add that in as, you know, just to make it a little bit more decadent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know yeah. lots of our customers are way more experimental or uh, add a lot more things in. And I tend to be just a creature of habit that way. Yeah, totally. And I think too, like, unless you're, you know, sometimes I'm really into like making an elaborate drink or meal, but most days I'm like, let's just be simple and efficient and quick. Like I don't actually have, you know, half an hour to make this. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, what, as you guys are like thinking about the next decade of your business, what are some of the dreams and aspirations that you have over the next 10 years? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think there, there's a there's a component for me of of running a business that um, it's almost like this kind of constant process of checking myself because the the cultural story that we have is grow, 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 um, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. You know, especially in business, it's you know get big and then sell it off or something like that. And um, I've been starting to think about it more as what's kind of like a stable, manageable. Th- business in my work-life balance desires. Um, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't think about what I do is I'm going to try to make this grow as fast as possible. Um, and we were, we were pretty late to some of the, like, do better on social media and run all the ads everywhere. You know, it's something that we've started experimenting more with, but I was kind of resistant to all of it mainly because I don't enjoy the, like, being on the flip side of that as a, you know, as a customer or just, it's not, um, you know, the kind of pushy marketing is not something I ever enjoyed. So I never wanted to do it. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's kind of imagining, um, the business as something that is, um, stable in some way, um, Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. terms of just like, it's, I'm, I'm doing the service that I want to do. It's affordable for our customers. Um, it's a livelihood for me, but I'm not really trying to make it into some massive thing. Yeah. And, you know, and then with, within that, there's, you know, a lot of like smaller kind of fun things like this year, we launched our first flavored, um, cacao bar was a rose cacao bar for Valentine's day. And we've got a couple other, um, fun ones in the, in the works for later this year, just as kind of limited edition. Um, so yeah, doing those things. And, you know, if I think about expansion, what most excites me, I guess, is just the, um, being able to impact more people in terms of being able to um, share about cacao and the medicine, and then also the impact on the farmers. You know, if we mm-hmm. source more cacao, then we put more dollars in their pockets. And, yeah. Your mission yeah. reminds me a lot about a lot of Organic Valley back in the day. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Yeah. In my, in my past life, I was an account manager at a design agency that was helping to revitalize their packaging. And we were so struck by the CEO of Organic Valley, whose mission was really to support American family farmers and just every new farming family that they got that was part of this organic mission um, was something to really be proud of. And so they, and they were able to grow, like focusing their growth on that versus like profit. And so I just say that because like they're a very profitable company now, but it's, it's because they were very true, um, in standing in their integrity and helping people versus like just trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our culture has this really strong tendency to 
it's kind of like we're all like moving very fast, like getting somewhere. And, you know, so in business that looks like growth and more and, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger. And we don't often look at the, what are the downsides of bigger, you know, do I want to work so many more hours? Do I want to spend my time running ads to, to sell more versus, mm-hmm. you know, talking to customers or leading more ceremonies or, you know, mm-hmm. how we're sourcing and visiting the farms, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely, it, it, it feels against the grain in a lot of ways. Um, totally. And, yeah. and almost, it, almost to the point where it's actually hard to do because it's easy to get, um, to get lost in the cacophony of, you know, the world of social media and business and marketing and stuff. If we're not kind of always on that, on that treadmill. Absolutely. May I ask, do you have a large team that you have internally? No, I mean, I, I do a lot of it. There's a couple folks that we work with, you know, web, social, et cetera. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of it's just me. And I, I like that. Like I, I respond to every single customer and on some level, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that 40 hours a week, but the, the amount of time that I do do it, I actually really enjoy it because it's yeah. people that are experiencing it and they either have a great experience or there's some feedback they have. And I get to kind of be in the mix with all of that. And, and so You're I really enjoy connected. that. Yeah, yeah. Super connected with your business. Um, one of the last questions I want to ask you as you're building your business, as you're growing your family, what or who is currently inspiring you along this journey? Um, I think, um, yeah, for me, the inspiration, like what, I guess what keeps me excited is, um, is the moments where I feel really connected to my own purpose and that I'm having a positive impact. Um, and that's kind of like, that's my gauge on, do I want to keep doing this? What kind of things do I want to keep doing? Where do I want to put my energy really? Um, mm-hmm. So I guess it's, there's not like a person that comes to mind or another company. I and mean, I tend to not spend a lot of time following very closely what a lot of other companies yeah. are doing. And so, yeah, it's more just kind of my own internal compass, I guess, on what excites me. And a lot of it is the, um, the impact side of the business. I mean, if I, you know, it's kind of like if I wasn't reading customer emails or reviews or doing the ceremonies, that kind of thing, I would, I would essentially be at a desk job with very little connection to why I'm doing this in the sense of, there's actually a whole lot of people out there who are enjoying my cacao and are having these awesome experiences with it and that it's meaningful and important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think staying, staying connected to that is really inspiring to me. Um, and um, yeah, and just how it fits into my own life purpose and family and, you know, kind of holding priorities. Um, I find as a parent, it's easy to be drawn in many, many different directions. And it really, it's a practice of, you know, what are the top three things today or this week or whatever yeah. it is, not like oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 10 different things that would be great if I could accomplish or would, you know, get up to in the world, but really keeping my, my focus clear and narrower exactly like staying in reality right it's like you really <laughs> only have a couple things to get done um each day so yeah. yeah 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 which is kind of like i think it was um martin prechtel that i first heard this idea from the author and just like learning to love the like one small little flower that we are instead of trying to you know be the whole forest or to be everything to everyone is really for me it's like over time more and more accepting that i have this you know small little corner of the world to inhabit and just to inhabit that as fully as i'm able to without 
taking the rest of it on, you know, because it's really easy with current affairs and politics and everything else to, to let ourselves be drawn into a lot of different zones that we might have, you know, mm-hmm. no, no energy or not influence for. And so it's like, where, where are my, uh, where are my levers, you know, like right. time with my kids is like so gratifying. And, and yeah. mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. And I feel like it's, it's such a testament to like what you do, you know, that inner work and inner journey and just like harnessing your own energy, calling it back to yourself, being in your own space and just understanding your impact within the world on that level is um, pretty refreshing. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, our, our, there's these stories that I carry from our culture of like, oh, it's got to be, got to be big, got to do more glamorous, famous. There's a, there's real strong push in that direction, I think, in our culture. And there's, it's a, it's, I think it takes some work to kind of um, wade through that and not be swayed by, by that or to do it for that reason. I mean, if it, if it happens, it happens, that's fine. But to really just kind of be living our own life for our own sake or its own sake. And Mm -hmm. and then what happens from it is what happens from it. Exactly. Just like celebrating that versus trying to be something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Moses, where can we find you guys? Imbuecacao.com. Cacao is C-A-C-A-O. Imbuecacao.com is a great place to find us. That's our website. We're also on social with the same tag. I always love hearing from customers, you know, people sharing. That's it's what feeds me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure to have you on. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You can find out more about Imbue Cacao in the show notes below, and you can contact me over at hello at healingcorner.net or follow along at healing underscore corner underscore podcast on Instagram. Thanks for being here and see you next time.